but I think real estate's a great investment, right? I mean, it's it's something you can you can see tangible. It, it's a good hedge when maybe other things are, are bad. I think it has a it has a definite spot in anybody's portfolio. Welcome to this week's episode of Helping Heroes Become Homeowners. Do you need a financial planner when you purchase a home? Is a financial planner something you need for retirement? We're going to talk a little bit about that today. My name is Richard Seri with Alliance Mortgage Group. And today I have with us J.R. Foreman with Featured Wealth Management. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Rich. How are you? Uh, before we Doing get well. started, I have to do this little disclosure, industry rules, government gets involved, you know how that goes. Uh, investment advisor, representative with securities and advisory services through Cetera Advisors, LLC, member of FINRA and SPIC. A broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, Cetera is under its own separate ownership from any other named entity. So there's my little uh, disclosure so we can have an open and free conversation and hopefully answer a there lot of questions go. today, Rich. <laughs> there you go. That's imp important to know. <laughs> so, you know, I want to talk about, you know, real estate as a whole. There's been a lot of noise about how hard it is to obtain it right now. And there's, there's folks out there that, you know, they're, they're, they're still wanting to rent because they, they see rates where they are. They see where their price of homes are. But, it, you know, in my opinion, I think the price of homes really isn't going to change. I don't think they're going to go the other way unless something really catastrophic happens in the economy. I don't, we don't really see that happening with the numbers that just got released today. Right. Um, with all yeah, the economic I, I data. I couldn't agree with you on so that. From home, a, su home supplies down. From a financial stand, from a financial standpoint, how is a financial planner, can they come into play on helping get a budget set to where they can hit some savings goals for down payment and closing costs? Absolutely. Uh, not only budgeting, but you know, we kind of tend to think outside the box to see if there is other options available to maybe attain that down payment that's tax efficient and, in my opinion, the right way to do things. So, are there any suggestions off the top of your head that you can give to maybe give to our first time home buyers? Uh, budgeting is obviously number one. Most of the time, when I'm sitting down with with clients or prospects, it's not a income need or shortfall it's a budgeting issue you know they they just spend beyond their means and and having that set forth is a big deal once it opens their eyes and realize that how much they're spending on things they they don't need so basically go in there and eliminate all the excess coffees maybe this unneeded streaming yeah platforms maybe on tv so the little things that you probably don't notice from a day-to-day -day activity correct you know even even some of the bigger things that you don't realize that you know you're sitting on the couch on Saturday night and how much you spend on Amazon every month, you know, it's, it's yeah. the society of, of, of needs, not, not of wants, not needs, I guess you could say. You know, it's funny. We, we did that kind of in the middle of last year and we noticed how much excess streaming, you know, $5 here, $10 there on stuff that we would watch just to buy, watch an episode or a series of something. And we never go back to it. So it could, you know, look up and you're saving $60, $70 a month just on stuff you don't need. Right. So yeah. that could obviously help you save faster if you know where that money's going and, and cut those expenses out. What What's going on in the market right now that would influence whether or not rates go up and down from, from your eyes? 
Well, you obviously inflation still the the front screen everybody's they's look. Um, you know, is inflation cooled? It seems to. You know, if you look at the Fed monitor from what our what our firm believes, you know, they will probably have a, a little cooler type atmosphere as far as most likely no more rate hikes, uh, possible rate cuts, you know, in the near future. But then again, you know, crystal balls are foggy most of the time. So, you know, we'll just hope those rate cuts come sooner than later. So. So if I'm a if I'm a home buyer, if I'm an experienced home buyer, first time home buyer. What am I looking at? Am I looking just to see what the 10-year bond does, what the federal funds, you know, if that rate goes up or down, what the Fed's doing? What should I be, what what should be my benchmark to see if whether or not rates are going to go up or down? Really what I look at, and I could be wrong on this, Rich, is I kind of look at that 10-year, you know, because it fluctuates daily. Now, that's not prime rate, what the Fed works on, of course, but it, it does affect the mortgage rates and other things, too. Uh, from what I'm seeing. But again, with home supplies and demand up, you know, I wouldn't set that as your only benchmark. Should I buy now? Because I I do think, especially here in Texas, property values are going to continue to increase. Yeah, we've seen that trend. I mean, I think I saw a report the other day where comparable to last year, prices are up. Right. So, you know, it, from our standpoint, inventory is always going to be a challenge here for at least the next handful of years, just because the builders can't build fast enough. Correct. Uh, what I read this morning is some builders are building smaller homes to build them faster. Um, and that was kind of the thing that builders did back in, I want to say 2008, 2009, roughly as they were, they were trying to cut their costs. So they're building smaller homes. Um, I think in this, this day and age, they're trying to build them faster and just making them smaller. So inventory will hopefully level out here soon, but what could a potential homeowner, if they do sit on the sidelines, miss out on? Well, again, I I do think those, those, those properties are going to increase, you know, and you can always refinance later. I'm sure you've talked to your clients about that too. So, you know, you might save one or 2% if you're lucky on an interest rate, but what if, it go, you know, properties increased by 5% this year. That's, you know, that's, you paid 5% more for a house that's in the hundreds of thousands that you can't renegotiate after you buy it, where you can renegotiate your, your interest rate, you know, in the future. When, when right. That do. equity positions is lost right. too a little bit too. Right. right? Cause yeah, exactly. You, know, you could look up next year and you could have 60,000, you know, you could have a percentage of your equity, there based on the appreciation with home values going up. Correct. Yeah. Um, and your so down it's, payment, it's, I mean, your down payment's going to go up. I mean, that's, you know, simple numbers. If the price goes up, you're going to have to save more for your, for your down. So. Do you have clients come to you asking for direction on whether or not they should buy a home or, or continue to rent? Is there any, uh, I guess, back and forth conversations on what's best for them at this time? Oh, all the time, you know, especially my elderly clients that maybe have a house paid for, right? They they don't know if they should downsize and take the money and, you know, put in the bank, invest, buy again, rent, uh, for sure. Even in the younger crowds, trying to save for homes is, it's, it's a huge deal. Uh, you know, that we want to make sure we have the right solution to, so they can hit their goal when they want to buy their first house or second house. 
do you do you recommend maybe them holding off on doing retirement now to save for a down payment or try and do both at the same time? I I definitely would say both at the same time. It gets back to that first little touch we hit it on the budgeting issue because if it's if you're saving fifty dollars a month, that'll go a long way. Once you talk about compounding interest and and other investment choices, so. Yeah, and I bring that question up because my son, he graduated uh, in May and he's got his first rural job. And, you know, his questions were, should I put money in a 401k? Should I do this? Should I do that? And he was, talk about budget. I mean, he put a budget together because he right. wanted to know where every dollar was going <laughs> just to get out of the house. He didn't want to be with mom and dad anymore. So, you know, he had the rent, he had utility, I mean, he had it all. And you know, the discussion him and I had was, you know, it's a hundred dollars, right? You, not, you can't put a hundred dollars into your 401k. Can you not put the minimum? And we kind of went back and forth on that. So I can see where, you know, from a budget standpoint to eliminate starting early, I think starting early on anything is important when it comes to investments. You, yeah. You got to start that tree somewhere. Right. Right. Um, but I think for him, it was, it was hard for him to wrap his, his mind around starting and taking money and put it in retirement. Cause you know, he says I could just start later. And right. I think that's probably a bad idea, right? That's, that's a terrible idea. You know, and I wish I had the graphic in front of me to tell you the real numbers on this, but there's, there's a graphic that I use all the time with clients. that just shows why not to wait. And it, you know, if you just did $50 a month in, in your twenties, you, you know, you'd have a, a big bucket of money. If you started later, you have to put, way more than that $50 in. You know, like I said, I wish I did have that graphic in front of me to show, you know, to, to tell you the numbers, but the sooner is always better than later. You save a lot less now than you can in the future. And there could be some tax advantages of doing that, right? Possibly. Right. Yeah. Different, different investment vehicles. You know, you, you start talking, you know, we've mentioned 401ks, but do you look at like Roth IRAs, which you can actually use some of that as a down payment money for first home home buyers. Most people don't know that without any penalty. Uh, you can look at other vehicles to do to do any of that, and that that to me is why it's important to have a team of professionals, you know, in your corner. You you know, a good mortgage officer like you, Rich, and, and a financial professional and, and a CPA. Absolutely, because there's so many things that you can put your money into right now that I think you definitely need that guidance, and you need to have you know a financial planner like yourself to plan. When you want to retire, what that retirement looks like, how much you want to, you know, have in retirement, and the you yourself, the financial planner is going to put that timeline together on what they need to start saving today to hit that goal. Right. As part is is real estate a part of that financial planning, or do we leave that out as as gravy on top of retirement? You know, I think it. I think real estate is should be a part of everybody's portfolio. Uh, you know, I'm not one of those guys that just try to to you know, push different products on some advisors may, but I think real estate's a great investment, right? I mean, it's, it's something you can, you can see tangible. It, it's a good hedge when maybe other things are, are bad. I think it has a, it has a definite spot in anybody's portfolio. And there's other, other benefits to having maybe rental properties too. Is there a, is there a tax right. advantage for having rental properties? You know, I'm not a CPA, so I don't want to get in the tax side to get me in trouble. But, you know, I, I definitely see clients that have rentals that, you know, take that income and, and they're and that's what they use to to invest. You know, they they take the, their rental income and they invest it. 
because they don't need it. Uh, so it's kind of, it's, you know, two birds, one stone type scenario where they, they keep building, you know, their retirement side on, on stuff that it's already making money. Let's go back to, you know, I bought a property and we have equity in the home. Do you see a lot of clients who may need that equity for college expenses, home improvements, maybe investing? Is is that something that you see some of your clients doing right now? You know, not so much now with interest rates. Now, I will touch base on the college stuff. College savings is obviously very important, right? Uh, a lot of new tax rules coming out and new rules on the 529 plans. Uh, again, that could show some benefits for other avenues and, and how to fund different things, Roth IRAs, down payments on houses and things with old 529s that are sitting out there that are, that you can't use anymore because you're not in school. Or if a, a, you know, grandparent gifts money early to a child, how much that would actually help them not only for education, but in the future uh, with the new rules coming out that that's just started in 2024. That's kind of a, off the topic question, but I'm just curious because it came into my head. Can you use the 529 if you want to send your kids to a trade school? Yes. Yeah. Yes, you can. You can. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm I'm hearing a lot about that movement of instead of going to college, spending all that money to go to college, go to a trade and learn a trade because everyone's right. going to need a plumber, everyone's going to need whatever. Correct. Uh, a welder. That that need is is always going to be there. So I was curious to know if that was something part of the 529. Yeah, the, the good thing I know this is a little off top, but five twenty nine is a great vehicle. Like I said, if you have if you have elder older parents that just want to gift grandchildren uh, money, you know they they have to use it for educational purposes, whether it's trade schools, colleges, universities. The great thing about that is even at the end, the, the, with the new rule coming out twenty twenty four, they can actually accelerate and fund their Roth with the the extended leftovers. So, and, you know, like I said, I would definitely talk to a financial professional or a CPA about those, those new rules and see if it, if it'll help. Cause that, that leftover money in 529s being set up, set apart with Roths, uh, is, is a huge milestone, a huge, um, I guess, head start for, for the people who just coming out of the college. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk real quick about the, uh, I've had a lot of inquiries on reverse mortgages and it's, it's a good product. And a lot of folks here, you know, they don't really have the complete understanding of how that reverse mortgage works, but have you seen in, in your, with, with your clients using a reverse mortgage to help with retirement, to maybe increase cash flow, use those dollars for other purposes? Yeah. Again, it's going to, I think there's a, there's a, a place and time for those. It's, it's all, you know, individually specific to see if that's, that's what's best for the person. But I do see where those have came in handy in the past. Okay. Yeah. So with our, our, our military veterans, um, we, we mentioned before we got on that there's, there's a scenario where they could have military retirement pay. Right. And that military retirement pay, how can that be used to help increase their financial position when it comes to investing? Well, you know, with the military retirement pay, there's different things. They, they might be getting a pension. They might have an old TSP, which is kind of like the, the government 401ks. Um, 
if you're not using income, invest it. I mean, that's that's just a no brainer. Don't spend it on 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 the wants of the world when you don't need, especially if you're trying to save for other things. Uh, the more you save today, it's the better life you're going to have tomorrow. You know, I have a I'm a big advocate of old TSPs sitting out there. You know, most of the, my veterans clients had no idea that you know really what their TSP is doing. They know it's done real well, but they don't know the advantages of maybe getting it closer where they can take advantage of opportunities. Uh, what I'd say is that way they, it's managed more tax efficiently, uh, managed for a solution or a goal. Uh, and it, you know, in a case of an emergency, they can get to it a lot sooner. So I would talk to a, you know, obviously professional too, if, if that's, that choice is right to you to get your, you know, do some kind of a rollover or, or what's best for you. Is that, account can you liquidate that account at any time after you're discharged yeah so tsp uh is if you know obviously it's a government funded it's 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 similar to 401k rules right so it, it's all pre-tax money unless you, you elected to do the post-tax roth money um but you know again that gets to is it right for you to roll it over that's yeah, the conversation you have to have in private with your professional to see but I, to me, there's a lot of advantages once you roll it over to an IRA or a Roth IRA or however it's set up in that TSP to make sure it's in the right account where it doesn't cost you taxes or penalties. So, Okay. So there's other benefits to maybe use and, and move that money into a different investment vehicle versus right. I, I'm going to yeah, imagine absolutely. maybe it's it would be a conservative investment vehicle with, with the government. Right. Um, you know, I always in. use that analogy is, you know, when people even leave their their former job is you're not with that company anymore. Why is your money still with them? You know what? Right. So what, if I'm, if I'm new to investing and I want to be conservative and maybe use this as another way to save money for a down payment. I know CDs are very attractive right now. Do you feel that is a, too safe of an investment, a good investment for short-term money? You know, it's it's always been my rule of thumb to have, a, you know, at least three months of cash sitting for emergencies. Uh, some people like six, some people like a year. That's, that's individual. Again, if if it's short-term money, that's, uh, again, it's individual risk. So I'd, I'd, I'd sit down with a professional and, and see really what makes sense for you. Um, if that makes sense, CDs might make sense for, for you a lot, cause you're going to need it, the money in three months, you know, or a year, uh, CDs for me might not make any sense. Uh, CD rates are great, but there might be a better vehicle out there that maybe give you the same returns that are liquid. So it just kind of depends on the individual. Okay. So I, I watched a, uh, I watched a video the other day. Don't know who the financial guy was. But Dave Ramsey got brought up. Yep. And, you know, Dave Ramsey's been around for a long time. We we did his program um, as young adults, did the cash thing. We did all that. One thing that got brought up was, you know, part of his strategy is not to invest until your house is paid off. Until you get the house and the debt and then start putting that money into investment vehicles. The... The answer that the gentleman gave was, "Why, why wait till you have all that paid off to invest in the market? Do you would you agree that you should be investing while you're trying to pay down debt and pay down 
your house as quick as possible? Or should you take that avenue and snowball the debt and then invest what you can? Because you're losing a little bit of time on that, right? Right. Yeah. Again, I think you can do both. It's a budgeting thing. You know, when if interest rates are, you know, 9 10%, I could see that being a great argument. You know, if my interest rates fall back to, you know, the threes or fours, I think that's a terrible argument. I mean, the, yeah, that was part of his in. rebuttal was why would you pay down a three or 4% interest rate on your mortgage to get it paid yeah. off when you could earn more in the marketplace, right? Exactly. On your money. Yeah, so. Like I said, it, and it, like, again, everybody has individual outlooks, but I mean, to me, that is why pay something off when you're netting more money. It's just simple math. If I'm yeah. if I'm paying four percent on a mortgage and my investments are, you know, S and P average over the last, you know, twenty years is nine percent. If I'm making nine percent, yeah, you know, what am I net? I'm netting five percent positive. Why? Why would I pay that off when I'm still making money with my cash? Yeah, the different way of looking at it, right? You got old school versus maybe new school thought on on right. how to do that. With the, with the market that we're in right now, um, I know the from a housing market perspective, as a financial planner, if you have someone come to you and say, hey, look, I need to put 20% down on a home, would you maybe take a look at the overall picture, maybe put less down and use the rest for a different avenue to invest or save, or do you feel like the, the customer needs to put all that money down? Well, that's, that's a good question. Um, again, that's, I guess that's why I, I, you know, that's why I work with people like you too, you know, and I, I open conversation to other professionals where I get to know that Pacific client and what he's trying to do. And I'll actually have conversations with their CPAs, attorneys, even some mortgage officers to see if there is a better avenue we can, we can portray. Right. Um, so I guess the answer to your question is everybody's individual, but if, you can put less down and it makes sense. Why not? Right. Yeah. Would you, I mean, I think in, in my thought on that would be put less down and use the rest to put maybe into a short term CD or earn what you can on that. Cause it's probably going to be a little bit higher than the interest rate on the home possibly. Yeah. You, again, you have to see where everything kind of falls, but that's when it, when you bring us all the information, we definitely look at, every avenue we can to make sure it's the, what's best for, for the individual. So when I'm coming to a financial planner, what exactly, what are you looking for? What, what do I need to bring to you to, to do what you need to do on your side? Well, first thing a, a client should do is really look into the financial professional before they just, you know, bring them everything. Um, you know, I get on broker check, Doctom, you know, look at the, the the background of that financial professional. Make sure he's licensed, he's fiduciary. Make sure he has the you know the the best interest for the client before they even set the meeting. That's important. You, you know, you see all these guys on TV promising the moon, right? I'm I don't know if they're a licensed professional or not. I check into them before I you know if it sounds too good to be true, it's too good to be true, right? Right. <laughs> right. But no, uh, you know, once when we do our initial. Financial planning, I guess, meeting, I tell them, bring me everything with a dollar sign. You know, if bank statements, old 401ks, old IRAs, life insurance policies, just so we can get a full picture of what we have, any kind of debt, right? 
you know, if you leave something out and we're trying to make a solution, but you don't tell me you have $50,000 in credit card debt, well, this plan over here, it's not going to work. I mean, it looks good on paper, but you have a big black cloud over here that's really preventing it from really doing what it's supposed to do. What if I don't have a lot of stuff? Should I still use a financial planner? Yes. I know when we first, when we first got married, we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have a lot of assets. Yeah, so, absolutely. Everybody's got to start somewhere, you know, and you, you'd be surprised how many clients that started with saving $150 a month and, you know, where they're at now is, you know, it's, it's mind blowing. It's just, it, it, if a financial professional won't work with you because you don't have enough money, it's just not the right one for you, but everybody should have a professional. Does the financial planner also take care of doing maybe a trust for the client? Uh, no, we do not do the trusts. Now that we do, I do personally do work with uh, trust attorneys because they have to draw the trusts up. We work, you know, hand to hand with them to make sure that after the trust is drawn up, the specific and right accounts are designed to to work with that trust. Okay. I know when we first got married, the company that I worked for, that was one of the benefits was, you know, doing a trust. You had that free counseling. Right. Um, and we haven't done anything with it for years until maybe six months ago. And we, you know, redid everything. So it looked, obviously it looked different from when we were 25 to 50. <laughs> right. Um, right. So, you know, we're, we're talking about, well, who gets what, who gets this? I mean, it was like a, almost an argument of who's getting what and who's going to be the beneficiary, but it, your, your, your stuff that you accumulate over the years needs to be protected. Correct. And, yeah. you know, you, you want to try and, you know, leave some kind of legacy for your kids and grandkids and you want to make sure that they get the maximum of what they get when you're passing. So right. I think that's important if you don't have that in place right now that you maybe talk to someone to get a trust put in place. Yeah, you yeah, for sure. I, I do think that is, a, especially like you said, in your later years, that's a huge thing to have to make sure your state's taken care of. You know, the, there's really four things I do as an advisor and that's, you know, we gather your assets, we organize it, we grow it, we manage it, and then we pass it on. We leave a legacy. And we do that with the most tax efficiently possible, working with other professionals, CPAs, attorneys, to make sure that we have hopefully all the avenues crossed, right? So yeah. again, at the legacy, maybe you can gift your grandkids money for a down payment on a house and see them, you know, achieve the American dream, right? Yeah. You know, that's why it's important to have real estate as part of that. Right. Um, yep. You know, you, you can build wealth through real estate with a financial planner and you can leave that legacy to your kids, show them the steps of how you did it and have them continue that on. Yep. Um, you know, the, the real estate portion of it, there, there's like we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of sadness that they can't buy right now because of what things are, how right. things are expensive. And I get that, but there are other ways to put a budget in together. Like we talked about, um, from a mortgage standpoint, we have other ways of getting that payment more affordable. Um, so when we have that consultation, we're, we're discussing those different options. Um, there's a lot of down payment options where you don't have to put 20% down. And 20% is really kind of a myth. 
mortgage insurance isn't a horrible thing. You're not going to have that forever. Uh, most folks typically refinance every three years. That's kind of what the history tells us. So if you have some appreciation in year three, there's a possibility that on a refinance, the mortgage insurance is going to go away. Or you put less down and invest that money and let that grow in a different way. Right. And then look up and maybe have enough to purchase a second home or investment property and, and learn how to build wealth. And as your assets grow, as the financial planner, you've got more stuff to talk about. You got more planning to do. So I feel that's really important to have that product mix, some real estate in your portfolio. Absolutely. Like I said before, I think real estate is, it should be in part of anybody's portfolio, whether it's even, you know, even, even their primary house with equity. I mean, that's, that's still part of, could be a huge part of your retirement at the end. Yeah. What about buying land? About buying land. That's a great question. Um, you know, as an investment advisor, I don't know if I can speak on that, but you know, I, I, my, my granddad always said one thing and they're never going to make any more of it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and somebody's always going to want land. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm reading some things about real estate, maybe possibly getting my license, but we're on the topic of land and there's so many different rules and rights of land, this and that, that really was kind of eye opening. So right. I think, you know, reading that, you know, if you can buy some dirt, buy some dirt, let it sit, let it appreciate, and then you can build on it later if you wanted to. So, you know, the land aspect of it, um, I think is important too, to have maybe in your portfolio. Yeah, I, I do. I agree with that aspect. I mean, real estate, whether it's, whether it's dirt or, you know, or a house or rental property or anything you can think of. I mean, we even have certain securities that are real estate based that you don't even have to physically own the properties. If, if it's right for the individual, it, it's a good investment. What's one of the main things when people come to you as a, you know, I, I want to use your service as a financial planner. What are one of the, one of the main topics that people ask for? Like what, what is their, what is their thing that they want to, they want to know. You know, that is a good question too. I don't know if there's ever just one topic that, that just sticks out. You know, obviously people want to know a process, want to make sure you have a process of how you do things. I think that's important. Um, you know, finding somebody that has a, an established process of how and why they put plans together or choose investments, I think is an important part of any financial plan. Uh, you just don't want to be throwing darts at a dartboard, right? I mean, two or three years ago, I think anybody could, could have been a financial planner the way everything was. I mean, you could throw a dart at any, any sector, any security, and, and probably hit a home run, right? Interest rates yep. were 2%. And but, but things are probably going to be different in the future. I mean, you're probably going to be back in the normal, uh, type returns, type, type interest rates. I mean, the prior, you know, years, we, we probably got spoiled a little bit. Do they, do they get concerned when you say there could be a loss? I mean, obviously there probably is, but if there's a, the loss conversation, cause the market's not always going to be what it is. Right. No, there's, you know, there's always, I guess, concern of, 
how this is going to happen. And again, that's kind of when you get into the risk tolerances and in the education standpoint, uh, most people who hear stock markets and don't want to invest in stock markets and they're worried to me, they just don't have the right education of the difference between being an investor or being a trader. Right. Uh, and that's where the big key is. You have to be an investor, right? It doesn't matter if you hold real estate, if you hold CDs, if you hold, you know, it, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever, sooner or later, each one of those sectors are going to have be down at some point, right? But most people don't look at their real estate value on a daily basis. They yeah. just know, hey, I still got my house. But they do look at their retirement statement on a monthly basis. And that's, I think, what kills a lot of misinformed people. I wouldn't use the word uneducated, but misinformed people of why they don't want to invest. That's why it's important to do it when you're young. Yeah. You can ride the market out on all the ups and downs. You, you know what I wish they would do? I wish they would have in high school a class for what we're discussing. Mortgage, yeah. financial planning, retirement, and the importance of starting that now versus yes. having to get that conversation really with your parents. And if your parents really right. aren't doing that all in, it, it the it just breaks down somewhere. So, you know, right. if I didn't convince Jake, my son that, Hey, you need to put some money. You need to start doing this now. He probably wouldn't. And if we didn't have that background of, you know, starting early ourselves, we may have agreed with him saying, yeah, just start later. Um, I think it's, it's important that, that, like you said, the education piece really needs to be pushed a little bit harder, a little bit further in different ways. And I really right. wish they would start that in high school. No, I agree. hundred percent. Just normal financing, normal budgeting in, in, in classrooms would help tremendously. Do you guys do anything on your, on your own on that piece at all for a certain segment age group or, you know, we do like for, for our clients and I'm sure you've seen some of the invites come out, but we usually try to do at least a quarterly kind of what I call a, uh, a coffee club. You know, we do a little, little get together in the office where I bring in a some kind of specialist to maybe talk about different forms of education and investing, whether it's budgeting, whether it's just the market outlooks. We try to do that at least quarterly, right? And of course that's no cost to any of the clients. You know, I provide coffee and and some donuts and they come get some good information and ask questions that are on you know, that are on the top of their minds, whether it's interest rates or like he, like you said, it's other other topics that maybe are that, that are keeping them up at night. Um, so that's a education to me is a huge thing, not only for our kids but for adults too. So, yeah, we do. You know, we do classes for first time home buyers. We do a lot of uh, classes on the VA home loan with uh, realtors and with um, with buyers to use that product. So it's it's important to be an advocate and educate. Um, especially in the industry that we're in. Right. Because that, you know, it could, it could be life changing. It could be legacy changing. So it's very important. And I appreciate you doing that because that's important to get that information out to as many people as you can. Right. Right. Investing is important for long-term goals. That is for sure. So how can we get in touch with you, uh, JR on, on everything? If somebody wants to reach out and, and get in contact with you, how can we, 
get to you? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd probably refer them to the website at first, just featuredwealth.com. I have all my contact information there. There's actually a little contact us now button. If you if you have questions, you know, you just hit that button. You can type your message in. Uh, then I, I'll get back to you, with, you know, as soon as I can. Um, you know, I welcome any kind of, any kind of questions. Awesome. Well, my name is Richard Sari. I'm with Alliance Mortgage Group. If you'd like our podcast, please like and subscribe. If you want to reach out for purchase or refi questions, please contact me at 214-872-2188. Jay, I thank you for being on with us. It's great information uh, to, to talk about today. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Rich. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks yep. for listening. Thank you. If this episode has been beneficial, we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Also, for regular updates and tips, make sure to follow our social media channels, which you can find in the show notes. Until our next episode, keep making homeownership dreams come true.